No one has ever said raising kids is easy. With an overwhelming amount of information about healthy diets, discipline strategies, and the need for more tummy time, it can be really hard to make sense of it all. Welcome to Tot Talk. I'm Mary, a pediatric occupational therapist. And I'm Allison, a pediatric physical therapist. Together, we created Tots on Target to join parents, teachers, and pediatric professionals into one community. With a mission to empower each other with a greater understanding of how our children's brains and bodies develop, join us as we discuss the most relevant topics to help keep all our Tots on Target. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. We are so excited because today we are talking to Jennifer Babich, who is a sleep consultant. And sleep is something that... We all struggle with at some point. We need to sleep as parents. Our babies need to sleep. It's just super important because it really impacts how we act and behave the next day. So in this episode, we are going to be speaking with Jennifer about the sleep training process. And in this podcast, we're going to ask some questions regarding at what age a baby is ready to begin sleep training, what parents should do to prepare for the process, and how they can set up the environment to make it optimal for sleep. We are going to discuss how the daytime routine can really affect the nighttime. And we're even going to talk about when young children are ready for a regular bed. Hey, Jennifer. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Thanks for having me. All right. So um, we're going to start with, actually, let's talk about the minimum age that you would recommend a parent to think about sleep training. Okay. So a lot of parents will actually reach out. With a new baby, their nights are hard, the days and nights are mixed up, and it can definitely be very challenging. Um, but the answer I give them isn't always exactly what they necessarily want to hear, but it's very important to consider a lot of different factors of a baby's brain developmentally and physically the rest of their body when you consider sleep training. So the bare minimum in my book, and there are definitely other opinions out there for sleep training, is four months. Now, four months also has to be adjusted gestationally. And what I mean by that is that if you had a baby that was two weeks early and your baby was born at 38 weeks, then we need to consider a baby who's four months old but born at 38 weeks, three months and two weeks. Because even though he has been alive and out in the world for four months, his brain and his body have actually only been developing for uh, two weeks shy of that. Um, So it's very important to get everything on the right side and in the baby's corner when you're going into sleep training. So I'm not going to expect a baby who um, gestationally is only three and a half months to act developmentally like a four-month-old. That's what I like to do for bare minimum in terms of total independence. That being said, if parents are really, really struggling, I have worked with babies young as young as three months, um, but there are other considerations when going into that, such as we do not completely eliminate nighttime feeds unless the baby does it on his own, and we don't adhere as strictly to a schedule. Okay, so um, would you say that before you start sleep training, do you recommend that they speak to their pediatrician first, or can they do it when they feel the baby might be ready? So in my book, I would 100% get the pediatrician's seal of approval, stamp of okay, this baby is healthy and can be sleep trained. And the reason for that is it's twofold. One, so that, you know, you don't have a baby who's struggling with reflux and crying overnight and you're not knowing, is he in pain? Is he hungry? Or is this just a normal part of the learning process? And another reason for that is it really gives the parents an extra boost of confidence saying, okay, the doctor said my baby is healthy and can do this. And when a parent feels more confident, that does trickle down to the baby. So it helps everyone feel calmer about the process. That's a good point that you mentioned, actually, is that 
the parent's energy level transfers over to the baby, even at that stage, you would say. Even at that stage, even if you're working with a one-year-old, I always tell parents one of the most important parts of sleep training is you need to be on board and believe your baby can do it. Because if you're putting your baby down to bed every night and saying, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I know this is going to be horrible. Are you able to do this? The baby's going to pick up on those vibes versus putting the baby in saying, you've got this, you're, you can learn something new, I'm so proud of you. So we definitely want the latter. Okay, so let's say that you know the pediatrician signs off, mom and dad or whatever caregiver is responsible feels confident that they're ready to start. Would you say that it's just about the nighttime to focus on or are there factors during the day that parents need to consider in preparation? So I really look at sleep training as a holistic process and I use the holistic word as more as referring to big picture as anything else. So before we sleep train a baby, we actually look at a few other factors totally unrelated to sleep so we can make sure that the baby is primed and ready. So even once you're ready to commit to start sleep training, I actually ask parents to keep three days worth of logs um, of eating times, feeding times, waking times, sleeping times, solids, bottle, milk, um, so that you can really get a picture of what the baby's doing over the course of three days. Um, so as a sleep consultant, I ask clients to give that to me. And what I do is I look at that. And again, I don't only look at the night. I look at the amount of feeding. I look at the timing, the environment. I look at the scheduling, the frequency of naps, the length of naps, all of these other non-night related components. And I basically leave all parents with some homework. And that really can depend on the age of the baby, the development level of the baby, what the baby's actually doing. Sometimes it's feeding related. With older babies, it's usually behavioral related. And we make some daytime changes so that we can shape everything and get that baby primed and ready and almost trained so that he's ready to do sleep training. So that's even before any nighttime work is done. So what I think I'm hearing is you really want to get the daytime schedule almost set up in a more organized way so that their daytime schedule looks good and then to translate that into nighttime. If we can, that is an ideal situation. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes parents come and the daytime is so all over the place that okay. I can't make those changes as absolutely. Okay. But what you're saying would be ideal. And okay. if a baby is almost where they should be, I do try to do that. But if a, if a baby is completely all over the place, it certainly doesn't mean all hope is lost. But, okay. but, but we do sleep train. We do work on daytime and nighttime at the same time simultaneously um, because they do really play off of each other. Mm -hmm. Okay. So obviously... For a younger baby, a lot of the feeding is definitely a major factor, right? Because you're trying to wean that baby off of needing that nighttime feed to yes. sustain overnight. Yes. Um, you also touched on older babies mm -hmm. having more of a behavioral component when they're mm -hmm. continuing to wake up overnight. So let's just talk about that for a second um, with parents. Is that something that, you know, the parents have caused or is that something that their baby is just really, really difficult? What would you say is the factor in that area, in that kind of situation? So in terms of parents causing something one way or the other, we definitely don't, you know, nothing is, I never want parents to feel guilty that they created something. Um, we just fall into habits of what works for us as a family. Mm -hmm. And for some families, my family, we can be doing one thing and my baby will be up all night screaming. And in your family, you could be doing the identical thing, but the way your baby reacts to it is different and it won't infect her sleep. So it really is not, the only time I start nitpicking is if you're coming to me saying something's not working in our lives, we need change help. 
So in that case, if you came with, to me with a 15-month-old and you're telling me this baby is screaming at night and you're going in and then you're giving him his ducky and then you're giving him some juice and you're giving him some goldfish crackers and then you're holding him and you're pulling him into your bed, then I'm saying, wow, well, we've got to make some changes so this baby could sleep through the night. Now, I'm never going to ask a baby to be able to do something at night when he's tired and when you're tired and things are always difficult at night. They're, they're harder at night than they are during the day. So if a baby is having trouble during the day, then you're going to see it worse during the night. So I'm going to say to you, well, what's happening during the day? You're going to get up and you say, Joey, put on your shoes or go get your shoes so mommy can put them on. And Joey runs to the other room and dumps out a box of blocks. And then Joey, it's time to eat, lets it down. And Joey dumps his bowl of Cheerios on the floor. I'm going to say, okay, well, let's focus on the daytime. And let's look at my responses when Joey dumps his Cheerios on the floor or when Joey won't get his shoes for me. And if I can't get Joey to follow through on simple instructions and to understand that what mommy says is going to be the way things are during the day, I can't expect him to do it at night. That's actually, I mean, and I feel like that plays into so many factors, right? Because consistency for kids and those boundaries are really important and they feel safer when they have those boundaries and know what to expect. So at night, they're going to play off of those. If there are no boundaries during the day, they're going to feed into that at night as well. 100%. And that actually what you said with no boundaries really um, reminds me of something else. I'm just going to take a second to go on a tangent that another very common call I get with older babies, two-year-olds, uh, even one-and-a-half-year-olds is, my baby's in the bed, he's not sleeping, and exactly what you said about the boundaries. Well, your baby, you put your baby in a bed because he was often climbing out. Um, and his daytime boundaries were not being, you know, he wasn't respecting your daytime boundaries and he wasn't following those rules. There's no reason for me to believe that all of a sudden when you take away a physical boundary at night and give him a bed, that he's suddenly going to do better. So mm -hmm. that's another strong um, source that I believe in that putting a baby in a bed too early will backfire you. Even kids who are sleeping great in a crib and parents move them to a bed because a new baby was coming along, even if they were sleeping great, things will often take a turn downhill when that happens because those boundaries, they're too young to understand boundaries that are not concrete. So that crib rail is a very concrete boundary also. Right. So, okay. So then if that's the case, then how do you know that they are ready for a bed? So there's a few different criteria in my book. So I think the baby has to be three or at least close to three ready for a bed, has to be able to show, if a baby is three and he's too big for the crib, then usually a three-year-old can understand rules. Okay, it's nighttime, you stay in the bed. So that's why age is so important to me. Um, if you're going to tell me that your two-year-old is ready for a bed, even if they're good at following rules, I'm, I'm not going to agree with you. Mm. So I think age and maturity are the most important parts of that. Okay, and what if a baby or toddler is climbing out? How do you respond to that? So we respond to that the way we respond, the way we approach sleep training as a whole. We work on changing the behavior, not removing a physical component. So if I'm going to all of a sudden make it easier for her to climb out, she, she's still going to climb out. What's going to make you stop, make her think she's not going to climb out is just a lot easier now. So my focus is going to shift to changing her behavior and teaching her to stay in the crib rather than just moving a physical boundary. Interesting. Okay. And is there anything else about setting up the environment at the nighttime that parents should consider? Does light affect sleep? Does, you know, if there's a clock in the room, like how does those external factors affect the situation? So when you mentioned consistency, that was really, really one of my 
major red red words that flashes on my head no matter what. Consistency in environment, consistency in schedule, consistency in reaction. So like you said, the environment, I want that environment to be consistent across all settings when that baby's sleeping, when that baby's napping, if that baby's sleeping at grandma's, if possible, I understand sometimes it's not, but if possible, that's ideal. Especially during sleep training, we want um, the amount of light being entered in the room to be completely minimized. We want it always to sound the same. We want it always to feel the same. We want the baby's crib to always look and feel the same so that whether she wakes up at two in the morning or I'm putting her down for a nap at 1 p.m. or I'm putting her down for bed at 7.30, it always feels the same and those cues are always there. So part of what I do with families is I either go into the nursery if I'm there in person or I actually uh, ask them to send me pictures of the phone and we really dissect the nursery and make the changes that are needed to optimize sleep. Interesting. Okay. So, um, I'm also going to touch upon something because I myself napped my children in a stroller, right? Mm-hmm. So I just found it better to, I know, uh, Jennifer sitting here like sighing with <laughs> anxiety, but, um, but I, I really like to walk and exercise and I just found, especially with my twins, it was very hard to get them to nap at the same time. And it just worked for mm-hmm. me better to take a walk and then they would just fall asleep. And at night, we ever never actually had, um, you know, an, an issue. They always went to sleep very well in their cribs. And I actually remember somebody coming over to me. We were talking about this and she said something like, well, your kids should be able to nap in the, in the crib. They should be able to. And um, for a week, I fought my kids on trying to nap them in the cribs. They were already like 18 months old at the time. And it was a disaster. So... You touched upon something in the beginning also, which is what works for you doesn't necessarily work for me. So I just want you to elaborate on that of what is quote unquote allowed or what is ideal or not ideal. Like, Is that okay that I napped my babies in the stroller? So if you go down the parenting aisle in Barnes and Nobles, you will see books and books and more books on parenting. And if you Google parenting methods, you will have what? thousands, hundreds of thousands of web pages and philosophies. Now, a big part of what I have spoken to many people about is if you are coming to me and you are saying, help me, what we are doing is not working, then I will help you. And I will help you get on a very, very concrete, no guesswork. Here is what we're doing. Here is how we are fixing the problem. If you don't come to me because you are happy with the way you're parenting and the way this is working for you, and you are happy walking your kids in a stroller and you are happy with the way things are at night, then that's great. There's no right and wrong in parenting. So if what you are, if you are into attachment parenting and it works for you and your family to nurse your baby at night and sleep her in your bed, and that's working for you, fantastic. The only time I'm going to tell you what you're doing is wrong is if you are asking me to make changes and you are trying to follow my changes and there's errors in consistency that are going to affect our ultimate goal that we're, we're working on together, that's the only time I would tell you that. Right, which which makes a lot of sense because you're right. There, There's no perfect rule book of parenting. Every child is different or every family is different yeah. and you need to do what works. But this is one method that you've seen consistently work. Mm-hmm. And for many families, there's been a lot of great success. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, one final question. Um just to touch upon it, is sound machines. Mm-hmm. Do you, are you an advocate or against it? What? I'm a huge advocate of white noise machines. Um, there are certain ones in my book that are better than others. 
um, because if they are consistent in sound and, and in tone, um, they have a few different purposes. They give sleeping cues to babies. They drown out big siblings or dogs or outside noises or buses. Um, and they're, they're just uh, above all else is I love the consistent sound and it's almost going to become a signal to baby that now it's time to sleep. All right. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been really helpful, I'm sure, for a lot of our listeners out there. So we really appreciate it. And you can find Jennifer Babich on Instagram. You can check me out on Sleep Coach Jen on Instagram or on Facebook, Jennifer Babich Sleep Consultant. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please note that this is general information, and since we do not know your child, it is best to contact your pediatrician or local pediatric professional if you have specific concerns. We invite you to continue the conversation on this topic in our online community at totsontarget.com. Additionally, you can find any toys, books, or products we mentioned in our Amazon storefront located in our show notes or on our website. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for daily tips on how to keep your tot on target.